in the Greek, I don't want to butcher it, but it's it's kalostenos or kalostenos. I've heard it uh, pronounced both ways. Well, the, the interesting thing is that the English derivative for kalostenos is calisthenic. So that's where we get that word from. And I understand and appreciate that some people, when they hear calisthenic, might cringe a little bit. But however, uh, the Greek word kalostenos, it actually comes out to mean beautiful strength. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Fitness Lying Down Podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Kripe. Okay, so today, a couple topics that I want to touch upon. Topic number one, what is that strange thing that we have on the wall with all these letters that make no sense? Well, some of us would say it's Greek to me, and um, absolutely, because it is Greek. Um, So if, and I have no Greek in me at all. I do, however, like Greek cuisine. So that's about as close as I get. Um, So when we're talking about the mural that we have that is Greek, in the Greek, I don't want to butcher it, but it's it's kalostenos or kalostenos. I've heard it uh, pronounced both ways. Two words, so kalos slash kalos and stenos. Well, the, the interesting thing is that the English derivative for kalostenos is calisthenic. So that's where we get that word from. And I understand and appreciate that some people, when they hear calisthenic, might cringe a little bit. They might think, oh, because it brings them back to that, that negative mindset, right? There's some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder that they might be suffering from from their youth with calisthenics. But however, uh, the Greek word kalostenos, it actually comes out to mean beautiful strength. And I think that's amazing. Um, When I first heard about this many years ago, prior to Fitness Line Down, I I was drawn to it because as I was slowly getting out of the fitness as usual business, um, all the barbells and things like this, where it's just about maximizing the load and uh, pushing through. And I was starting to get more into that human, uh, the movement, the natural movement um, kind of phase of my life where I'm still at. But the science has really helped me understand better the natural movement patterns and how to train human movements. But it became to that point where it should be beautiful. There should be an essence of grace as we're, as we're training, not just moving, not just moving out in, in, um, public, right? I mean, when we walk, we want to make things look effortlessly. When we go up the stairs, they should be effortlessly. When we pick up things, it should look easy. And all of that is, this is what our whole philosophy at fitness line down is about is to create that, that beautiful strength, that kalostenos, um, and how that helps out is I've talked about, and I feel like I continue beating this dead horse, but unfortunately it's still worth beating, is it becomes efficiency. Uh, think about anybody in their sport that is at the highest level of their sport. And when they do something that is just, you know it's a big, big activity, it's a big level of achievement, but they make it look so easy. You know, So in the martial arts, uh, in gymnastics, basketball. You know, I just saw this amazing video, Steph Curry shooting from different, uh, different levels, different uh, distances away from the, the rim. And I mean, this guy basically went from free throw, uh, all the way back to 
almost a half court line without leaving the ground. You know, no no big jump shot. And every every basket that he hit was a swish. You know, nothing but the bottom of the net. All the way back to the uh, half court line. And we're talking about NBA as well. <laughs> and, and also coming back forward, back to the free throw line. That's Kalo Stanos right there. That's beautiful strength. That's him moving efficiently, precisely. You know, movement is precision. Precision is movement. That's how we get that strength. That's how we get that power. It's everything needs to fire at the right time. And again, that's that's motor control. That's stability. That's what we're really honing in. And of course, we can't tackle stability without having mobility. So we want to make sure that we honor all of that and that we know what comes first. Uh, you know, I, I joke about that uh, that whole NBA you know, you'd never realize how far the three-point line is away from the bucket in the NBA, especially um, from my my um, my previous experience. So, all the stuff I did in um, high school and all that, like, and just mess around in college, the three-point line is pretty close to the rim. And then I remember when I went down to Chicago for the uh, internship, and I got to you know I got to play basketball a little bit. Like, you know, when everything was done, I got to shoot around. And man, I remember going for my first three-point from the NBA three-point line. <laughs> it was it was nothing but the bottom of the net for sure. I, I think I did graze the bottom of the net as I experienced the worst air ball. I shouldn't say the worst. I've had I've had worse, but it is something. So when I see Steph Curry making those shots, you know, it's just it's amazing. When I see when I see Aaron Rodgers throwing a touchdown pass um, for such a long distance. And just making it look easy. It's it's pretty amazing how the, all that happens. Well, how how at Fitness Line Down, how do we practice that beautiful strength? Well, the one thing I love to tell people is that we're not, of course, we're not the muscle strength. We're not like your old school gym where you walk in and you muscle through exercises. And it's it's that grit. Now, don't get me wrong. There needs to be some grit when we come to strength training. But that grit shouldn't be the muscular and the muscular grit, the face is contorted because you're struggling to lift that weight grit. That grit is just, it's more psychological because you're going to be approaching things that are going to be very challenging here at Fitness Lying Down. And you have to have that mental grit. But what I love to tell people is how in the word fitness here at Fitness Lying Down, we love to take the T out of fitness and we like to make it finesse. Now, I know that that's not how you correctly spell finesse but you get what I'm talking about. And that's what's beautiful strength. That's what Kalo Stanos is all about. This is what human living is about. It's about efficiency. It's about finessing, creating stability through the body to make everything work at the right time. It's not enough to engage all the muscles on at the same time. That's not going to work very well. Muscles have to be able to contract and relax. They can't just be contracting the whole time. Not very efficient, does not look good on social media. So you have to be able to be effortless. So when Steph Curry's hitting those uh, baskets, it's a matter of his body being able to contract and relax at the right time. Martial arts, gymnastics, Aaron Rodgers throwing that football. It's about being able to be turned on at the right time and then turning off and allowing. It's almost like the wave, if anybody's familiar with that in the stadiums um, or in the bleachers. You know, it's how the wave just happens and it ends. It happens and it ends. That's how this happens in our body. All this energy that's been created, especially through the floor, that's where we can create a lot of that energy and it goes through. And we talked about last week the abs of copper. 
that our body can just conduct that energy and make things effortless, seamless, make it finesse, make it beautiful. So this is our, I think this is our ultimate goal when we come to strength training. This is our ultimate goal when we don't do just gym strong, but we do movement strong. And that's, I love that label. Um, I was first introduced to that in my DVRT programming is we called it the movement strong programs. And, you know, so I made these uh, programs for DVRT all have videos and they're all made in according that you can just follow along. Um, it's all laid out for you. And it was like such a great thing to call it movement strength. And I've kind of kept that because this, again, it, it goes with the beautiful strength. It goes with the calostenos is when we can train movement to be efficient, to be efficient. Um, what a, what a beautiful thing that is. And then to take that because a lot of gym strength tends to just be gym, right? All that gym strength is just for the gym. Now, yes, does it convey over? Can it? Of course it can, but not, not the way that this kind of training happens. And it's so hard for me to articulate this, but once you really experience movement strength, when you start training for efficiency, for finessing, I don't know if that's quite the, is that a verb ending in ING? I have no idea. Um, but when you could start doing this and how those little chores throughout the day, throughout those little activities, when you have to step to the side to hinge, to lift something up off the ground, because rare is it that we have something that's just nice and conveniently placed in front of us with this nice handle that we can grab onto and lift up in this very stable position. Many times when we're moving and moving under load, we're always in a precarious position, almost a vulnerable position. And when we can hone in that movement strength, when we can become resilient with that kalostenos, the chance for injury decreases. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? Your best ability is availability. So I don't care if you are playing sports. I don't care if you are just a weekend warrior with sports, if you don't even play sports and you have to be home, you have to be at work, you have to be all this. Your best ability is your availability. So nobody wants to be throwing their back out, injuring their shoulder or tweaking their knee, doing something because they weren't strong enough to do it. And that's what movement strength is. It's so encompassing. And the one thing that we really hone in here at Fitness Line Down that I think sets us above a lot of other gyms is how everything is done with intention. And I say this so many times on the training floor that we need to make this intentional, that it has to be precise, that you can't just be checking out. You know, and this is the old school fitness. As you walk into the gym, you kind of like check out your brain, right? It's like, okay, brain, you take a break, body, you're going to get beat up now. I'm going to play the music as loud as I can so I can endure the torture that I'm about to inflict upon myself or, you know, maybe that instructor, maybe that personal trainer. And that goes contrary to human movement. The brain and the body have such a connection. And so I, I think I might butcher it, but Erwan LaCour, who was um, the founder of MoveNet, which got me going into this whole movement training to begin, had this wonderful quote that you have to move with your whole body. Nope, sorry, I already butchered it. You have to move with your whole mind and think with your whole body, something like that. It's, it's a quote on our wall. It's embarrassing that I forgot this, but basically just saying that everything's interchangeable. My body moves not through my body. I move not through my body, but through my brain. But then I think with my body. 
so it's just interconnected. That's the, that's the takeaway message here as much as I butcher this. And so when people are here, I notice that one of the things that we hear from a lot of newbies is how fast the session, how fast the sessions go there. I'm uh, stumbling, tumbling, drumbling on my words. So they talk about how, how quickly that session went. You know, they're used to being in these gyms. And I've, I'm only saying this because this is what I continue hearing from them. They're used to being in these gyms that, you know, you have to beat up your body. And it's almost like everything takes forever. And one of the reasons is because you're mindlessly going through things. You're just trying to survive that session. You're not really, I mean, you're not really focused on the intention. You know, we talk about form and everybody wants to have good form. Well, good form, as I've talked about before, is not enough. You have to have intentional form. So everybody wants to jump in on a class and go as fast as they can to keep up with everybody else. And maybe they're trying to keep up with that 20-some-year-old instructor in the front who's doing it with you. And I think that's just amazing. You have all these 40, 50, 60-year-old people who are trying to keep up with somebody that's 20 years old. Um, it just doesn't seem right. And so what happens is like they start compensating because they have to survive that session. So they might be doing a movement or an exercise without being deliberate with it. And the body starts going into compensation mode to conserve itself, to protect itself. Now, that seems kind of funny because then those compensations end up winding up being aches and pains and soreness and possibly all the way to injury. So we want to make sure that when we're here, and sometimes I use that image of a, of a young child trying to learn how to tie their shoes. And this sounds funny for a lot of the exercises that we're doing because people will be doing it. It's like, I know how to squat. You know, I've, I've done that before. I know how to deadlift. I've done that before. And then I usually follow up with, well, how did that go for you? Well, squats hurt my knees and I hurt my back doing deadlifts. And so we have that conversation. Then we have to pull away a little bit. And we have to, as my friend Yoda would say, we have to kind of unlearn what we've learned. And we have to slow things down. We have to listen to our body. We have to start moving with our mind. We have to use our brain. And everything then becomes more intentional. And that intentionality is so important, especially outside of the gym. Because when I'm moving through space with gravity, against gravity, that all of a sudden being intentional on how I'm moving and training that. See, that's the key is training the intentionality in the gym. You don't have to be so deliberate outside because it's already become second nature. Like you're actually becoming intentional without having to think about it because you're aware of your body in space. You have better proprioceptive ability. Let's call it that. You have a better, better way to interact with your environment. And a lot of people that aren't strong, aren't movement strong, they don't have that. So that's why you see them fall off balance. That's why you see how they use their arms to do activities, to press, to pull more than what they should be using through their core. Um, and that's been one of those highlights I've been talking about too, is how things are not necessarily what they seem. When you see the arm, like let's say I've got an implement in my hands and I'm moving my arm, everybody just jumps to, well, that's an arm exercise. But then people find out here that the arm is just guiding the implement. It's the body, especially the core, that's moving that implement. And the arm, again, receives the benefit, but it's just the messenger. It's not the primary mover. So with that, you know, the beautiful strength, the intentionality of the exercises, this kind of brings me to something that, you know, we're going to see more of here in the next, you know, I don't know, weeks, months, um, as the weather starts getting warmer and as the days start getting longer, our recreational runners start appearing out in the, um, 
in the public, right? They start taking over the sidewalks and stuff like that. And I know I've, I've touched upon running before. And I know sometimes um, maybe what I say, a lot of people don't agree with me. There was this amazing book that I read, um, I don't know, years ago. And it was called Born to Run. And it was talking about this indigenous culture in, I think it was South America, maybe Mexico. Um, kind of just in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. And they ran like these ultra marathons that we have people do here. Like that was like almost, it felt like their warm up. And all these people ran barefoot. And I mean, that's it. This running was what they did. This tribe, um, you know, and it was a pretty interesting book to read. Um, but we're talking about, this book was talking about how the human body was born to run. And I think, yes, I think the body, you know, people are born to run. Like running is one of those things that we can do. But sometimes we got to be careful because even though we might have been born to run how many years ago, we might not be ready to run quite yet. And, you know, one of the things that drives me nuts is how people say I need to run to get into shape. And on the flip side, you actually have to be in shape to run. You actually have to have a high level of strength in order to run. And a lot of people don't, don't see that that way because they, they equate strength with bulkiness. And they think running, and especially like anybody that's going to be running mid-distance to long distance, they see them as being lean bodies. And, okay, so there's some truth to that. And a story I'd like to share is uh, somewhere... I don't know. I graduated from college. I was back in lacrosse. I forget the years that this happened. Um, but I, I'd been with the Bulls already, and I was like, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, my goodness, Shelly. Um, I was hook, line, and sinker into functional training. And, you know, I was still loving strength training. I, I thought strength training and functional training were the same then as I do now. I just see it with a little different lens. However, I digress. I was working at a local gym, I remember, and the cross-country coach for a local high school worked out there as well. And he approached me one day, and he asked if I ever trained athletes. And, of course, like, you know, I said, well, yeah, I worked with the Chicago Bulls, <laughs> so I felt like that was pretty good credentials, even though, I mean, I left out the fact that I, maybe I said I was an intern, but, um, again, digress. So he said that he had a particular athlete who was a phenomenal runner, and her parents were interested because this thing happens that people start seeing that, wow, strength training is like taking hold. Like runners, long distance runners are doing strength training. So this, uh, this female's parents wanted me to, or wanted their daughter to have the opportunity to do strength training because they, they read about the benefits and they knew could help her. And so I took on the task and I trained this young female. Um, I think she was a junior when we first met. And the thing about her was that she, you know, there's just genetics. Some people are genetically predisposed to be good runners. They have the body frame. Um, they have that ability. It's just in them. And the funny thing about this girl is she was also very strong, we found out. Um, and we could do all the stuff, and I don't know what her nutrition was, but we could do all the stuff, and she wouldn't even really gain an ounce of muscle. She'd get a little bit more toned, but she wasn't bulking up. And we were doing some serious strength training things. And I cringe. I cringe so much because we did do barbell back squats and some of these other things. Um, but it, it helped. Like it looked good on paper for me that I had this already phenomenal runner strength training that built up and was able to run better is what her parents were saying. So of course, this starts turning heads. And I also got hired by another um, 
couple, another husband and wife, for their daughter. Well, here's the funny thing about their daughter is their daughter was, I believe, a year or two um, behind the, the first female I was training. This girl had a different body composition. This girl was a power athlete, uh, meaning long distance, mid and long distance running was not, should not have been her jam. She should have been a sprinter. Like this girl, we would, we would lift some weights. And I mean, I would, I always joked, but I felt like she would gain muscle just looking at the weights. Um, she just had broad shoulders, strong hips, um, just powerful legs. And I tried to talk to her parents about how she might do better in short distance, sprinting, things like this. And well, because she had like a phenomenal junior high cross country career, you know, this was a thing and the coach, like because of that, the coach felt like there was potential that she should continue running long distances and cross country and track. And she, uh, this, this young female did grow in size with our training um, because that's how her body was made to adapt to the training. Unfortunately, because of that, and just because of her growth, right, you hit growth spurts, and I still hold true to this day that long distance running should not have been her thing, that she just developed severe shin splints. Um, she was injured most of the time because her body just was not meant to run like that. And, you know, I'm pretty sure she was cooking fast. Like it wasn't like this nice pace because her body was just meant to go. And, you know, rightly so, I got fired from that, um, from from training her, um, even though she enjoyed the training and stuff. But the parents obviously leaned heavy in, onto the coach and, you know, whatever the coach said they went with. And, you know, that same coach that got me hired with another athlete ended up kind of getting me fired there. And I don't blame them because, hey, if the, you know, if the training's not working and your athlete is not benefiting from the training, well, you should fire that coach. But that's what that small caveat is. Yeah, she was not that long distance runner. Now, totally digress because I wanted to bring that as an image for people out there that when you want to run these mid to long distances, that we kind of have this different feeling about ourselves about how we should look and things like this, but we should really accept who we are as human beings and our body composition. One of those things that's very hard to change. I think it's good to embrace your body. You know, I mean, your body's natural where it needs to be in uh, stature and weight. We don't want to undernourish. We don't want to overeat. Um, we want to make sure we just have the right amount of everything and for our body to totally thrive. So I, I'm not opposed to running at all. I actually myself enjoy running and it's something I need to return back to. But the whole notion of running and strength training, and I think this right here is where the DVRT system, how we set this up at fitness lying down, can really benefit runners. Because before with those young uh, high school athletes, I was always thinking about just traditional bodybuilding exercises. Even though I was like in the realm of functional training, which I thought was functional training, it was just some different forms of w different ways to bodybuild almost. So when I see the things that we're doing now and I hear from our clients, I mean, we have clients that had to stop running because their bodies, it just hurt to run their knees and all this and their hips and their even up into their shoulders and their feet. But when they started training with us, they started getting this different form of strength and how they can actually go back to run. And that's pretty exciting because yeah, people like to run and we want to make sure that they can do so. But we want to make sure that they can do so as a strong individual. So when the one thing that I want to really touch upon is for any of our new listeners out there, we have that thing called the joint by joint approach. 
so important when it comes to running because your running shoe does matter. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to be the end all, but the running shoe does matter. And I'm not going to really go into that specific so much because I'm not a running shoe expert, but I do know it matters. What I want to talk about, though, is your feet while you're training, especially strength training, is to kick off the sneakers, to be barefoot, to develop that strength in the foot. Because every time that your foot hits the ground, and I want you to remember, running is a, is a high-impact exercise. You know, if we're doing these like alternating single leg hops, which basically running is, every time your foot hits the ground, how does your foot interact with the ground? How does it absorb? And most times people's feet are pretty weak. And the foot is not strong enough to do that absorption. And so with the foot not being very stable as it should be, all of a sudden the ankle, which is supposed to be mobile, has to kind of be more rigid to stabilize for that unstable foot. And then that causes your knee, as, these, as we just go up these joints, that causes your knee to be a little bit less stable when that knee is supposed to be stable. So even though it's a hinge, as we've talked about in previous episodes, it's a hinge joint, so it only does one motion. But a lot of times the knees start caving in. And that's when it starts trying to make up for the mobility of the ankle now, which is making up for the foot, which kind of just makes you feel like that whole song, the Foot bone is connected to the ankle bone. Ankle bone is connected to the knee bone. Knee bone is connected to the hip bone. So it just starts building up on these compensations. And we want to get rid of that. So I'm going to say right now that the first thing you should do is you should start strength training if you're not already. And if you're able to, kick off the sneakers. Now, I say able to because, I yes, I have run into people who actually have foot issues. Now, I want to say that I've never really ran into somebody that has like medically diagnosed foot issues that are running because for the most part, they're not going to be running because it's going to be so painful because their foot's not you know, structured the right way. They have all these other issues that even walking can be kind of a, a limiting exercise to some degree. So with that being said, if you are comfortable enough with it and your gym allows it, try to get barefoot. Develop that strength in your feet because you're going to notice the difference in your running just because of your feet. And then we don't have to talk about a lot of the other things. You know, we don't have to talk about how to mobilize your ankle or how to keep your knee stable. If your foot's doing what the foot needs to do, the rest of the body kind of falls in line. But now as we talk about, you run on your legs, but you run with your arms. So I don't know if anybody's heard that before. So you're running on your legs, yes, but you run with your arms. But what's the thing that connects the legs and the arms. Well, that's, that's what the kids nowadays call the core, the core muscles. And so we want to create that efficiency through the core, that calostenos. So all the training that we're doing here at Fitness Lying Down, as we honor all these different movement patterns and all these movement patterns that we do, okay? So remember, we squat, we hinge, we lunge, we push, we pull, we rotate slash anti-rotate. And then, of course, running is our gait pattern. The gate is like the top of that kingdom there, the top of the food chain when it comes to our movement patterns. If all the other things can be done well, so if I could squat well, if I can hinge well, if I could lunge well, if I can push and pull well, if I can rotate and anti-rotate well, and if I can do that throughout all three planes of motion, I'm going to be pretty, pretty satisfied with my gait pattern. I'm going to feel pretty good that your gait pattern is good um, because all the other stuff kind of blends into the gait pattern. And when we're training like that, 
making sure again, the keyword I said three, well, keywords, three planes of motion is that we can't just be satisfied doing all these exercises that are traditionally done in gyms where we have both feet planted on the ground and we go up and down back and forth because when you run, yes, you run forward, right? So you're running in what we call that sagittal plane, but your body has to have the ability to resist frontal plane motion. So that's the lateral. You don't want your body to be swaying back and forth. This is also going to be because of the knees caving in. You don't have that lateral stability. You don't have that frontal plane stability. So being able to train that in the gym is going to be, make such a big difference when it comes to your running uh, experience. And you might be asking yourself, well, how can I do that? What's a good exercise for frontal plane stability? I'm going to say an easy one for you is the side planks or anything side planky. And that right there, but you have to do it again. You have to know what you're doing and you have to do it with intention. So you see how all the, all the things I've been talking about kind of come into this. And I'm not just talking about training for running. All this, all this stuff that we're doing just comes into training, period. But for running, especially as we're talking about in this topic today, is how that frontal plane stability, doing side planks, um, doing you know the different carries that I think we just talked about recently as well. But I, I want to shy away from those carries because if you're, if you're having issues with your gait pattern, we don't want to be thrown on carries. But marching is a great exercise. Um, standing on one leg is very important when it comes to running. To be able to efficiently stand on one leg and perform an exercise, whether you're doing some form of pulling, some form of pressing, to do that and to stand on one leg like a boss. Like there's a difference between standing on one leg and moving all over the, all over the floor and swaying around like it's, there's a breeze in the gym as opposed to standing on that one leg and owning it. That single leg strength translates huge onto the running surface, wherever that would be. So that's one thing I would say. Side planks, marching, and standing on one leg, when you can start practicing this, with load too. Um, I think that's going to be very important because then you get more, well, I don't say, I shouldn't say, I think, I know you get more connections through the body. So if you're just standing there practicing, standing on one leg with no feedback, no, no load on you, no ultimate sandbag in the front loaded position at least, you might want to be thinking about how to do that. How can you use load as you stand on one leg? Because what's going to happen with that load too, especially if I'm doing like rowing or pressing, and here's what I'm going to say. I really highly recommend standing on one leg and doing rowing and pressing because that's right there. If I have, let's say, <laughs> if I have, let's say I'm doing a press. Let's say I'm using a resistance band and that band is anchored behind me. And let's say I'm going to press with my left arm. I'm going to drive up my left leg. So as I'm pressing with my left arm, I want you to imagine now I'm standing on my right leg and there's that cross pattern, which is what you're going to find when you're running. So if I can start treating that, if I can start, I'm not going to say isolate, but if I'm going to, if I can start putting that on in a spotlight, on a, a spotlight on that movement pattern, on that cross pattern, this is going to create better efficiency, but I have to do it once again with intention. So I can't be sitting there pressing the band and letting my knee just swing back and forth because I'm only going to be doing, I'm only going to be enforcing those compensations that I might already be experiencing when I run. So I've got to make sure that everything stays stable through, through a strong right foot as I press with the left hand. And then of course I'm going to be doing the other side as well. And right then we're getting that big core training and we're becoming more integrated 
as opposed to a lot of times where people go to the big box gyms like, okay, I got to strength train because I have to be stronger when I run because I heard Corey's podcast. So I'm going to lie down. I'm going to do bench pressing. I'm going to do barbell back squatting. I'm going to do barbell deadlifting because those are a lot of the big exercises I know that will help me get stronger. I might do some leg extensions because I know I have to get stronger legs and I'm going to probably do some leg curls to uh, match that. And maybe I'll do some pull downs because they feel good. So that's that. No, throw that, throw that mentality out the window. That's just like throwing together a really awkward session. (laughs) Awkward. I like that. Not only do you have to be intentional in the gym with your exercises, you also be, you also have to be intentional with your exercise selection because if you're already running, that's taken up some time out of your day. And I'm assuming you're not a professional runner. So you have other things going on in your life. So you can't dedicate too much time in the gym and you can't dedicate too much time running, um, in order to keep you the rest of your life going. So you want to make sure that what you do in the gym is going to be beneficial. So it's going to be effective but it's also got to be efficient. You can't spend all this time doing these repetitions that actually don't have much carryover into your running experience. So I'm going to say right now, take away anything that is just feet flat on the ground. You're going to want to find something that's going to be a little bit more challenging. And that right there, I don't want to get too involved in this conversation, even though I feel like I already have. That's where the sprinter stance really makes a difference. So I was talking about the single leg thing, and I might have jumped the gun just a little bit. So unfortunately for anybody that listened and got to that point and shut off, this is going to be kind of valuable as well. In that sprinter stance, because a lot of people struggle in a single leg position, especially right away in the beginning, because they don't have that strength. They don't have, and not only the strength to perform the exercise, but the strength to resist unwanted motion. So that's where the sprinter stance becomes very, very golden. So let's now say that I'm doing that same press out with the band. And I'm trying to stand on one leg and I'm just all over the board. I, it looks horrible and it's just too much input. My body cannot respond well to all that input. So now I would suggest that let's go into a sprinter stance. And actually I would suggest that you go to the sprinter stance first and build your way up into the single leg. So what is that sprinter stance that I, that I talk of here? So let's say I'm pressing that band with that same left hand. I'm going to take my left foot. And I'm going to line up my toes of my left foot with the heel of my right foot. So now my left foot is back a little bit behind my right foot. And I want to really, I want that heel to be up nice and high in that back foot. So the front foot's flat. No question. The back foot, that heel's up nice and high because of the ball of that foot. And what we call it a sprinter stance. Why? Well, because it kind of has that sprinter look to it. So if you could think about an, an Olympian or anybody on the, on the track ready to sprint and they get their feet in the blocks, there's always that just you're ready to push off. So what, what happens in that sprinter stance is it changes the dynamic. So if I was doing that press, standing with both feet flat on the ground, I'm very stable. But now by just shifting that foot back, all of a sudden now that stability has decreased. And remember that frontal plane, that side-to-side unwanted motion we want when we walk and when we run. Well, here I have a better chance of resisting that frontal plane as opposed to being very unstable on that single leg. Because if I'm doing a single leg exercise and I'm all over the board, I'm not actually training the way I ought. I'm just surviving the exercise. So it's very beneficial to start with that sprinter stance so that I can experience some of that side-to-side motion 
But through my feet, through my core, I can resist that. And all of a sudden now, I could start training better for running. So it's kind of funny that doing just a single, like a press like that, actually has some serious ties to running. Better when you go into that sprinter stance. And then you can start building yourself up. This is what I love about the DVRT system, is that you can use that same band, because you're gonna be doing the band or whatever implement you're pressing. And you're be like, you know what? This is starting to get easier. Maybe I should go up and wait. That's when we can start changing your body position and creating more, more instability in your environment that your body has to adapt to. Because it's not about, you know, of course, this is the thing, is when I was training with those uh, females before, we would push the limits a little bit. This is like the old cycling of, of training. As for a while there, we'd, we'd go through a, what we call a hypertrophy phase where we're trying to put on mass, and we go through a power phase. We do all this stuff. That's not necessary. What's necessary is that you train those movement patterns as you should for that individual. And the benefit that they receive from this is so much more than just trying to lift as much weight as they can. So trying to resist that unwanted um, uh, the unwanted forces in your life, in your body, you know, through the environment is going to translate into better running, more efficient running. Let's call it kalosthenos, better strength, better movement. Okay. All right. A lot of things talked about there. You know, the takeaway is let's, let's work on that beautiful strength, people. Let's get intentional with our movements. Let's be present. Let's not be thinking about anything else except what we have to do and how we have to do it. And if we have to do less of it, this is one of the things I find when people become more unintentional, not on purpose, but they come into more surviving. It's like when we say you have a million of these things to do, well, then they just got to start going and get through the task so they can survive it. But if we take it down and we say, you know, just give me eight, just give me six, it's going to slow it down a little bit and there's going to be more intensity. The intensity is going to be raised because of the intention. That's the thing is that intent drives intensity. Uh, the one thing I remember is that a lot of people will come here and they might not be, they might not perspire a lot in their sessions. Like, you know, Corey, I don't really sweat a lot when I'm working out, but when I come here, I'm sweating bullets. What is that all about? And I'm not quite sure, but I'm pretty sure that it has something to do with their focus and the drill. That because a lot of these things are so neural that your brain has to be working to, that this amplifies that intensity and it brings it to a new level for these people. And their body has to cool a little bit more because their body starts overheating because there's more things working than normally when they just go and try to survive an exercise program, that they, they perspire more. Um, and you know we don't chase the sweat, but I think that's gonna be the explanation. It is funny how this happens quite regularly around here. Um, so, intention, huge. Whether you wanna run or not run, you know, I hope that the tips here were, were good for you, but even if you're not planning to run, being strong on a single leg is so important in real life. It's not like you're always gonna be on a single leg, but to have that ability to stabilize in that position is gonna make you so much better when you're off balance. Maybe, I feel like I've talked about single leg stuff before, but we might have to revisit that in the future. Okay, so um, for everybody out there, that has been a fun podcast episode. I appreciate you. I enjoy uh, seeing our numbers continue to still rise in audience. That's exciting. That's what keeps me going. Um, but until the next time that we have the chance to speak, Godspeed.